Hey guys, Mike here. Before we start tonight's episode, we just want to give you a heads up about some bad language. Uh, we're covering Office Christmas Party this week, and it is a lot to take in. There is a lot of inappropriate content in the movie, and we discuss some of it. So if you normally listen with your little ones, please shoo them out of the room, or wait until you are alone before you listen. Thanks a lot, and hope you enjoy the episode. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you. Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 48 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Tonight we're talking about Office Christmas Party. Hey, guys, take out your private parts, fire up the 3D printer, and let's get ready to have a crazy time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oy, I have two oy, 3D oy, printers oy, in oy. our garage, and I didn't even consider... A private part 3D printing situation. <laughs> I mean, as the movie demonstrated, it's never going to work out in your favor. I think it's really a, a questionable choice. <laughs> I mean, that guy should have printed two copies and then stuck them together, I feel like. <laughs> oh, that's too much. Hey, uh, let's talk about red flags on movies. Sure, this movie came out in December, December 9th of 2016, but there are six people Six people. That's more than one hand of fingers responsible oh for bringing this movie to life. It's based on a story by John Lucas, Scott Moore, and Timothy Dowling. And that's actually not even accurate. There's like three other people who are just not credited with uh, with the story by credit. And then the screenplay is by Justin Mallon, Laura Solon, and Dan Mazur. And again, there's at least two other people who wrote on this movie who just because of the WGA's rules don't get a screen by, screenplay credit. There's there's wow. more people than a basketball team with a bench involved in writing this movie. That's a huge red flag for any movie. Right, <laughs> That's right. Many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, if it takes that many people to bring you know a penis 3D humor to life, you've probably you've probably <laughs> should maybe start over. Is what I'm saying. And also, listeners, you should be aware that this is definitely a, not a podcast this week for the little ones. So uh, this would be a good time for you to either put in your earbuds or go ahead and listen to this one later when the little ones are not around. The fact that I said private parts within the first 30 seconds of speaking. Then you said penis as well. So then I also want to. There you go. Sure. <laughs> Maybe we'll drop a little, hey, strong language warning here before the actual yeah. episode starts. I, I mean, on, on top of the 20 people involved in bringing the story to life, it was directed by two people. It took two people to direct this movie. Will Speck and Josh Gordon. Did those names ring a bell to you in any way, shape or form? Well, I know they're from Blades of Glory, but I, you know, and I like Blades of Glory. I don't really have an issue with that one, but I, I am really hesitant on this two director thing. I don't think we've had any movies with two directors. No, I mean, the only ones who really ever make it work, I feel like, are Lord and Miller, who, you know, they famously, they did like the Lego movie, which I think okay. was a pretty good success. And, and they are creatively, I think, just share one brain, those two guys. So mm. I think there is like a really seamless. The Coens, too. Uh, sure, sure. And, and the Wachowskis. 
uh, yeah, uh, you know, so there's definitely precedence for it. But I think when you take that together with the with the numerous people involved in the writing. Makes me worried, Mike. Makes me worried. This was released December 9th, 2016 with a budget of $45 million, And it did really well, actually, at the box office as at $114.5 I This is one of those, like, I feel like it's in the theater at Christmas time during Christmas break. And it would appeal to a lot of date goers. A lot of date goers. A lot of date goers. And everyone really over the age of probably 17 who doesn't have kids. Even like, I'm going to say if you can sneak in at like 15, 15, 16, I think you would think this is amazing. Uh, For sure. Oh, yes. I mean, the demographic for this is probably definitely dudes in the, you know, their late teens through their (laughs) middle 20s. I'm thinking if you would have watched Porky's, you Mm. would enjoy this. Yeah, if your dad watched Porky's, you were probably trying to watch this. Or if you've yes. ever sat and watched American Pie yes. uh, at home on, on DVD yes. or something or on streaming. Uh, this is where all the American Pie like kids like went. They all went and worked here. Yes, and this they, is what happened. That's exactly right. They all work for, uh, what is it, Zenotech? Is that the name of it? Zenotech. Let me read you the one sentence plot summary. When his uptight CEO sister threatens to shut down his branch the branch manager throws an epic christmas party in order to land a big client and save the day but the party gets way out of hand dot 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 (laughs) the ellipsis was actually in the one plot summary i was like whoa wow like they're really trying to get you to think way to bait the hook and i mean the amount of commas and and uh, conjunctions in that sentence are uh, it's i mean they're pushing the one sentence concept there but i appreciate it I'm, i i and i appreciate a good ellipsis so i felt like you were getting a little shaky there like how much more information are you gonna shove into this that's a depending clause too many i was pulling out my red pen i was getting real itchy, real it. itchy. so here's the thing <laughs> this movie is funny but I think with the cast that this movie assembled, and this is a, a large ensemble cast, I feel like this movie should have been infinitely funnier and like deeper, like 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 a like a deep comedy, not just easy dick jokes. You know, you know what I mean? Or I do or, very much. You know, or you know, making you know Jason Bateman and Olivia Munn dance in snowman suits, you know, or whatever. This cast is just too talented to use this way, and I and I think that's the biggest crime this movie commits. I think it's the biggest sin this movie commits. This bench is very deep, and even some of the smaller parts were with comedians who I think are fantastic. And I'm really sorry that their parts were so small, and that also they just really didn't get the amount of time. I feel like that 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 their jokes kind of need to like simmer a little bit more with you. There's so many in here that I recognize that I was like, I know you from this and i know you from this i don't know there's something about this movie that i think we're going to talk it through and work it out i hope we can oh we're going to talk about it <laughs> we're going to talk about it. well let's start right at the top so this movie is really led by you know you have jason bateman olivia munn tj miller and jennifer aniston i'd say those are the core four leads of the movie you might throw kate mckinnon in there as a, I, yes as, that's as true a, yes i feel like she wasn't she wasn't one. she wasn't billed as a lead but she is certainly in a lot of the scenes. And I think that has to be the movie, the directors knowing they've just got gold with Kate McKinnon. 
And she is so impactful. Like every scene she's in, you're like, that was Kate McKinnon's scene. So maybe Jason Bateman was in it. Maybe Jennifer Aniston was in it. But we're all looking at Kate. Well, here's the thing. Without her, I wouldn't have been able to watch this movie, I don't think. I think this movie movie goes from, again, I also, you made a very good point. We were both sober when we watched this. That's a major red flag. Don't be sober (laughs) if you're going to watch this movie. Yes, I agree. Have a couple drinks or if, if recreational drugs are your thing definitely it's not going to hurt the enjoyment of this movie. It's only going to enhance it. Yeah, I agree. Maybe every time they say Xenotech, you should take a drink. Well, I don't know that we should be, <laughs> you know, propagating alcohol poisoning here, but so, some kind of drinking game is alcohol probably in Alcohol poisoning. Al- alcohol, Ouch. Alcohol. Well, you they said say alcohol. Alcohol. But they say, they say Xenotech a lot in this movie. I think that Jason Bateman might have used this as the potential um, audition tape for his role in Ozark, because the role that he plays as Josh Parker being this chief of technical advancement. And he's so like, uh, I don't know, just straight laced and, and just more. He's always the straight man. That's where that's how Jason Bateman is best, though. Right. He's, he is. He yeah. is. But in this group of such bunches of ham bones, like it really stands out. Yeah. I mean, but if you look at like Arrested Development, right? I mean, he was the same character in, um, yeah. in, among the Bluths. He, you know, <laughs> he, he was always the 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 straight laced guy. I think that's just his shtick. He, he's not, you know, waka waka. That's never Jason Bateman's thing. He doesn't tell jokes. His humor comes about by from his reaction to funny people making jokes around him and his exasperation. That's that's his that's his jam, I think. He used up all his silliness back on like Silver Spoons. Silver Spoons. Can I tell you the jealousy issues I had as a kid of that train that would run through that house? Sure. I I mean, I wasn't a very covetous child. I really wasn't. I, you know, I I understood my lot in life and my position, but I don't know. I I would have traded so much (laughs) to have a train that ran through my house that I could ride on. And and like a dad who would have like put on the the engineer's cap and been like, whoa, whoa. And like running through on well, it. that like, wasn't going to happen. In that's my a whole head. thing. Well, it's not going to happen in my house either. This is what I'm saying. This is a. I thought this was a fantasy we were setting up. Well, I like to think that I would be the dad who would put on an engineer's cap and go woo woo and ride through the house. You still have time, Mike. <gasps> put it on your Christmas list. Oh, I will get a train. <laughs> my, my little little child, Mike, will be uh, will be avenged, and and <laughs> and his wishes will be satisfied before I am done, people. Olivia Munn, I don't find her particularly funny. I think she finds her way into movies like this. You know, she's in, she's kind of a female Bateman, right? Okay, so I, I actually was going to say they almost always play her ultra sexy. And this one, I thought she was actually really watered down in a good way. Like, this is probably the only time I've ever seen her where... I could actually just like listen to her talking because she was just wearing normal clothes and regular hair and everything else. Like instead of being like, I don't know, like sauced up to the point of it being like, geez. Oh, yes, for sure. That is her. Her bag is always, you know, the the hot one, whatever. But not in this one. Well, she's basically one step away from, you know, taking off the glasses kind of thing. I guess it's 100 percent that. Yes, they made her the the sexy computer nerd. You know, like, oh, we have we have the a crisis to solve. You know, she you know, takes off her glasses and shakes her hair out kind of thing as it breaks right. into slow-mo. Undoes her overalls. Yes. yes. <laughs> but she was wearing those types of things. So that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I was a bet. I was just a stupid bet. 
I mean, that, right, yeah, exactly. that for sure. But they, but they did kind of like simmer that down a little bit. She played a more normal person than, than she normally plays. For sure. I mean, I, I, I like Olivia Munn. I really know her. When I think of her, I really think of her from her time on The Newsroom which I was a big mm. fan of. And, okay. you know, she's she's doing serious there. She's doing serious, sexy, but she's got a brain also. Like, you know, men drool over her uh, Acme, you know, uh, Looney Tune cartoon style with the wolf kind of thing. But right. she's like, but I've got a brain, you know, and that's that's her thing, I think, a lot of times. And, and that's what they're doing here. This is, uh, I feel like, very much a guy's movie, very much a dude's movie. Uh, yeah, I would. I agree with you wholeheartedly. If you liked Horrible Bosses, you probably would dig this one. And that brings us to Jennifer Aniston, because she is in this as very much a similar kind of role. Now, I know you like Jennifer Aniston a lot, so I feel like I should like let you talk about Carol. I mean, I do like Jennifer Aniston a lot. And, and just because you mentioned Horrible Bosses, this is actually the fifth time that her and Jason Bateman have been in a movie together. They were in The Breakup, where he's not the lead. Uh, Vince Vaughn is the lead. The Switch, and I think the two Horrible Bosses movies. You know, her and Bateman also have a chemistry here. I think it's just they must like working together, I would imagine, at this point. I like her as an actress. I think this is a really natural role for her, and I think that's why she keeps playing these kinds of roles. There's a quote from Josh Gordon, one of the two directors. He wrote on, on casting Jennifer Aniston, We created this character for Jennifer because she's absolutely fearless when it comes to playing somewhat unlikable characters in comedies. For her, the more daring the role, the better. She's definitely leaning into that here. On top of the, you know, she's the CEO, all, you know, business kind of thing. I'm going to shut this down. I don't care that it's Christmas time. To the Krav Maga. Uh, takedown fighting styles which i gotta tell you that bit worked for me every time it actually made me laugh every time i found it very funny i think it's something <laughs> about beating people up in an office setting i find very funny so there you go i i like her she was my favorite friend i like jennifer aniston a lot but this is exactly what i expect from her i think they're using her exactly right in this i think they're using jason bateman exactly right in this but the problem is those two have ceilings on how funny they're going to be. Both of those mm -hmm. people need strong supporting casts that are giving great material to maximize their value. So I think you're getting the most you can get out of Jennifer Aniston. I don't think you're using Bateman maybe as best you can here, but again, you're using him at least in the right role. I think it's everyone else is not being given the stuff to elevate what they do best. I get it. So, well, let's start talking about more of the hand bones that are playing all around these straight men. Uh, I mean, we have to talk about T.J. Miller. Right. I mean, he he is yeah. really the third lead here. T.J. Miller is a problematic character, has become a problematic character. I try not to talk about T.J. Miller, which is unfortunate because he produced a lot of funny stuff that I enjoy. His trials and tribulations over the last five years, his allegations that have followed him, kind of like when we did Kevin Spacey and did the ref, uh, you know, a few a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago at this point. It's hard to talk about it at 2021 because of what's happened since this is peak T.J. Miller time. This is right around the time of Silicon Valley starting to take off. You know, the, he's he's not too far away from like the Emoji movie. I think the character he plays here as Clay Vanstone is really a combination of Tommy Boy and like Billy Madison with a little bit more Playboy if into that. So, I mean, he's more into drugs and he's more into he's more adult than those two. But that whole like, I've got to save the company, but I have no idea what I'm doing. That's very Tommy Boy. You know, there's a lot in that. So I recognized this character. I recognized the zany numbskull who just happened to get to be in charge because dad died. That's also kind of, though, who T.J. Miller always plays, though, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's who he plays in Silicon Valley. <laughs> I mean, he plays.
movies, you know, in Deadpool. Deadpool comes out the same year as this comes out, so he's really peaking. T.J. Miller doesn't, at least the way T.J. Miller is portrayed on screen, the way he acts on screen, I don't get or I don't believe emotional depth from him in any way, shape, or form. Every time, and which is which is important in this movie because they are trying to sell you hard on the sentimentality that is wholly unearned at the end of this movie. They're relying on him to sell it to you. This guy is a loser. He is not a good boss. He has made every mistake. He is like a bad Michael Scott, like a bad version of Michael Scott, and that is saying something. <laughs> well, it's Michael Scott with money, and so he can actually follow through on some of those bad ideas right and then the scene where he's with like the pimp when he's like with trina the pimp and they're smoking up and you know and getting and drinking and stuff and complaining about how hard it is to be in charge like dude i don't feel bad for you 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 have literally made the bed in which you were like laying so all of that like if you if you're gonna uh, if you're going to rest the heart of your movie on tj miller you probably need a heart transplant i I don't think that that's not going to be successful you're not you're not going to reach your goals in any way shape or form and the end is a fatal flaw about making this a good christmas movie not that we're there yet but the heart of this movie rests on this guy and this guy is not a sympathetic sympathetic character that you really care for or root for in any way or believe in any way he's not going to remember any of the events of this night (laughs) You know, when he wakes up in the hospital. They are all surrounded by these wonderful comedians. We have, you mentioned Kate McKinnon as Mary, and she's like the HR rep. Hilarious. I thought she was so genius in this one. I loved I loved her mix of, you know, just completely rule follower and everything, but also like wild. Like she badly wanted to like you know, break out and everything. Loved that she drives a minivan. They're like, you don't have kids. She's like, I like to buy in bulk and like all that. <laughs> I love all that. I thought she was hilarious. I feel like just with what she was given to work with, I, I really understood this character. I love the trope of the HR boss who is so persnickety for the rules, especially in, I mean, this is, this is really right before the Me Too movement takes off. She is seizing the wave of the political correctness that would at this time and then for the next several years really sweep HR departments and 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 the cleaning up of how workplaces are managed. But at the same time, she is just a freak in the sheets and is is mm-hmm. bristling to to break out. And you get the impression by the end of the movie, everything she's doing as an HR manager is just to try and keep her own urges locked up you know yeah, she, it's it's, a, it's almost like a sadistic kink of her own that finally <laughs> like kind of breaks loose and i love it and i think she's having a meal here i super enjoyed vanessa bayer as allison clay's assistant i thought she was really funny she's another snl face and i thought she was fantastic again she didn't have like a huge role but every part that she was in i was laughing at her with her same way i was i was most engaged in a movie in her scenes when she is with randall park fred the oh, new guy M- Gee, that entire thing was crazy. Oh my god! All about with like the mommy, the mommy kink, and mm. and and she's trying to go along with it because she really needs some action. But even after a while, she can't take it anymore and storms out and says, "You know, save it that for the fourth insane. day." Oh, so funny when she says, "Save it like a fourth, save it to the fourth day, like a normal person." I loved yes. it. She was great. She again, <laughs> she was very watchable in this movie. I think she was doing a lot of heavy lifting, uh, you know, uh, elevating the material uh, on the page. Uh, let's talk about some of the smaller people. I mean, you have uh, you have Courtney B. Vance. I I don't know that I need to see Courtney B. Vance's ass. I got to tell you, I, I didn't I didn't just say that in the end of the movie when he walks out in the hospital gown. <laughs> I thought that 
was hilarious. <laughs> I, I, yes, I think he was great because it's such against type, right? Courtney B. Vance, you had this, you had this image of him, this very not uptight, but a very serious actor. To watch him come loose in this movie was very entertaining. There's several of these people, really including Jennifer Aniston, that I could have replaced with other people and been like, I don't know, somebody else could have played that role and it would have been just as good. The small roles like like Kate McKinnon's and Vanessa Bayer's, like those ones are the ones that ended up carrying this entire movie. So even though they supposedly had larger roles, like really, I mean, Walter Davis was like a huge part of the yeah. everything they were doing. Yeah, I think I think I think the entirety of the humor of Walter is that it's Courtney B. Vance in the role because it's not yes. how you expect to see him. It's the shock value and the juxtaposition of Courtney B. Vance playing this role. I think that's the entirety of the humor. It's what it's resting on. I got to tell you, my favorite performance, one of my after Kate McKinnon, the one that I enjoyed the most of this movie was woefully underused was uh, Divine Joy Randolph, who played Carla, the security guard. She was really funny. Every time she was on screen, she had me laughing when, it, you know, they had that end of days montage while uh, God Rusty Merry Gentleman, the heavy metal uh, version of uh, God Rusty Merry God Rusty Merry Gentleman plays. And then we see her double fist tasing people, the, the, the gown she's wearing underneath her security cloak, uh, her, her cloak, <laughs> her security guard uh, jacket, all of it, the every her delivery. Her performance really worked for me here and I think is a definite highlight of the movie. Okay, so when you're talking about like Courtney B. Vance and like totally subverting expectations, I thought Trina the Pimp was fantastic. I think that whole role, whoever wrote that role, well played. I think that that was super funny and super well done. Jillian Bell played it perfectly. I mean, I just thought the the actual, like, when she first comes out of the car and you're, of course, expecting a man, it turns out to be her and she's got this, like, over-the-top personality and just is, like, zigging and zagging every which way. You never know what she's going to be doing. I thought she was great. With not a lot to work with in the same way, I think, um, Vanessa Bayer, and and uh, Divine Joy Randolph. Also, I think all three of them are great examples of elevating what they were given to work with and, and making it funny. But for me, it's when she's getting out of the car and Clay, the TJ Miller character, is outside. The bodyguard has bags from ba uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Like in the bag, they had been shopping at Bed Bath and Beyond, and and uh, you see the bouncer muscle driver guy putting like all these bags down on the ground, kind of thing, because now he's gonna come, you know, break some legs. Just the idea that like she's this pimp with a gun that she waves around like crazy, but she's also shopping at Bed Bath and Beyond made me laugh. It was a great role. I mean, I I don't know out of these dozen people who who were writing this movie, I don't know who wrote that role, but I thought it was very clever. Way to go. There was one more I wanted to point out was uh, Fortune uh, Feimster. The, she was the uh, Uber driver. Oh, yes. She, was, she cracked me up. I knew her from Mindy Project, and she totally cracked me up. I loved her. But again, she's the type of role that like takes a little bit longer to get her humor. Like At first, you're just like, what is this lady doing? And then it was like, okay, okay, okay. Like I totally – I'm with you on this like line of joking and everything. And she needed – like we needed to use the, the Uber a couple more times, I felt like. And then we could have totally had her. That is an SNL skit that becomes very popular and eventually Lorne Michaels spins off into a movie. Oh, yeah. That, that's like, you know, that's what that Fortune's role felt like there to me. She's very funny. She appears on a lot of comedy podcasts and she kills every time. She has a couple of stand-up specials you could check out. I think some of them are on Netflix. Uh, you could go out. She is very, very funny. And again, 
super underutilized here. They, they're devoting a lot of screen time to things that they probably didn't need to. And the people who I think are making this film shine, this movie shine the most, are probably not getting used nearly enough. And I think she was definitely one of them. I, I tell you, I found the blooper reel that they had that they're rolling during the credits. And yes. she has one of the bloopers in there. I found that as funny, if not funnier than the entire movie altogether, and definitely made me laugh more. <laughs> For sure. And her bit that she does in there where she's giving different examples of carol names uh yes. like alternative <laughs> takes uh is very very funny so definitely definitely if you're gonna watch this movie and go through the process of watching this movie definitely watch the credits in the blooper reel well and we need to let you guys know that there's actually more than one version of this movie we watched the unrated version on amazon prime it's five minutes longer than the r-rated version so just so that you know you uh there is a sassier five minute longer version than the plain rated r version and as of right now, as we're recording this right before Thanksgiving, because this will come out right after Thanksgiving, there it's not streaming on any of the services that you would subscribe to. So you're going to have to rent it from somewhere as of right now anyway. And so Amazon Prime, like uh, Caroline said, has the two different versions for rent at like $3.99. You and I need to start getting into a comedy space. I don't want to say goodbye to Christmas yet, but, you know, we announced a couple of episodes ago we're going to be doing, you know, 52 weeks of iconic comedies. Is this the kind of movie that makes you laugh? If, you, if you're in Blockbuster and you're staring at the comedy section, is this sex farce slapstick kind of comedy what's, what, you're, what you're reaching for? Okay, so if I'm by myself, which is how I watch this movie, I, I felt like I was getting severe FOMO kind of situation where I was like, you know, maybe it's because it's after COVID. I haven't been out that much. I certainly haven't been to a big wild party like this in a long time. And I was just feeling a lot like, man, this movie would be a lot more fun if I had people over, if I was, if I was tipsy myself, you know, if, if there was just a lot more going on currently like I didn't like just sitting by myself watching this movie I felt a lot like someone was telling me about their amazing vacation and I was just looking at their pictures like cool cool <laughs> but like there was lots of parts to it that I was like man I just wish that like I had friends over and we were like laughing and we were like doing some of this monkey business like that would have made the whole thing more fun for me what part of the party would you have been in so so think about the party, the way it goes down. Are you hanging out with uh, DJ Calvis? Are you, uh, you know, doing the eggnog luge? Oh, I'm probably monkeying around with that copier. <laughs> um, I think I would be laughing and joking around in there for sure. But then for sure, like the, the eggnog luge, that's hilarious. I Yes, I would be like laughing. And here's here's a little nugget about Caroline. I would be egging people on to do it more than I would be like the one who wants to put my mouth on anything. But I would be like, you go. No, you're hilarious. You go. I'd be doing a lot of that. OK, so uh, let's let's uh, let's do a little confession time here. Oh, okay. Uh, I was a young attorney uh, in in the law firm that I worked for, and I attended a Christmas party. My firm used to put on a, a you know a Christmas party where where everyone would mingle together, from the most senior you know elderly partners to the mailroom staff. They were you know everyone was mingling in the same spot, open bar all night. 
uh, right there, you could see the handwriting on the wall of, of, of problems that may arise. Well, this one particular Christmas party, yeah, I was drinking and having a good time. And I like to dance, especially if I've had some drinks. I'm a pretty good dancer. I want to toot my own horn, but you know, I, I have a good time. I'm, I'm fun to be with, especially if I've had some drinks. Wake up in the morning and I go to work and I have sunglasses on and it's been a very long night. It was a very early morning. I'm not feeling super great. I got to tell you, the amount of people that complimented me on being such a fun time, women that I had, I didn't know their names, you know, joking with me about things that happened during like dancing and stuff. I, apparently I had an excellent time and I remember so, so little of it. Uh, <laughs> virtually nothing that apparently that I did that was a lot of fun. I remember none of that. Uh, I guess, unfortunately, I don't know, maybe fortunately, I don't know. But for the rest of my time there, in particular, there were there were several people that every time I passed them in the hallway, they're getting high fives, calling me Mr. Party. Did I ever push a copier machine or a server out of a window? No. Did I maybe partake in, in a, an eggnog luge like thing? Maybe I might have probably I, 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 I definitely probably did too many shots. Let's just say that. So, yeah, this is not really. So here's the thing. This is what I wrote down in my notes. I found I found most of the jokes in this movie extremely predictable, you know, which was fine. And they made me laugh because they're supposed to make me laugh. And it's the kind of joke that's always going to make me laugh. I, I likened this in my notes to it was just all empty calories. Right. I watched this movie. I laughed a bunch. I laughed a lot at the bloopers. The certain certain parts, certain people made me laugh really hard. As soon as this movie was over, as soon as we're done talking about it, I don't know that I will ever watch this again. I don't know that I will ever think about this movie again. I can't. There's nothing in this movie that's going to make me think this is just like that fantastic moment from Office Christmas Party. I get why the entire thing was funny. And I understand, like, if you worked there, this would have been hilarious. And this mm -hmm. night would have been amazing and yeah. crazy. But we don't work there, Mike. And I was watching this by myself. And I was like, this is just sort of, I'm sitting on the bench and everyone else is playing the game. And this is hard to just not, it is kind of. You know, like if you're having like a get together for Christmas and everybody's going to be drinking like some sort of ugly sweater party or some silliness like this and you want to put something on in the background, this would be a funny movie to put on in the background where nobody's actually watching it. People are just like talking and visiting and, you know, mingling and whatever. And people are going to you know start drinking. Maybe you're playing cornhole outside, whatever you're doing. This is the type of movie where the shenanigans that go on might egg you on and your friends to do something silly and funny and try to replicate something you saw. I could see that being really fun, but I do not recommend watching this by yourself. I do not think it's funny by yourself. Not in the way that it could be. No, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's only the only really, I think, outrageously funny things in this movie that work, even if you're watching alone, are I think the bits that probably got improvised, like Fortune scene in the taxi cab, where clearly they just let her roll on a bunch of takes and then they chose one. The another one was Kate McKinnon, you know, having her confession in the minivan about her sexual harassment violation she filed on herself. You know, watch the blooper reel, like there's an alternative take like she does of that completely different story and it's not as funny as the one they chose for the movie but again it was an improvised moment i think that those were if you look at the script the shooting script and the funniest moments in this movie i would imagine the funniest moments in this movie were not 
in the script. I, I, I would guess that they were improvised moments by the by the SNL cast members, by the comics, by the improvisers who know how to do this kind of thing. I think that was where the humor works best, even if you're watching alone. I agree with you. Not a fun movie to watch by yourself. And also, to your point, some of the jokes in this movie work if you're if you're an insider at Zenitech. Which sounds kind of weird to say, right? I mean, we don't work at nor are related to any of the people in any of the movies we've watched. But there's something about this that's so inside joke that it feels like you're outside the joke in a lot of right. ways. It, that's hard to understand unless you watch this movie. But it's it's like there's some movies do a really great job of grabbing the audience and pulling them in. And you're part of the joke and you're laughing at it. You're, you feel like you're one of the guys doing this crazy stuff. And there's other ones where I was just watching other people have fun. I wasn't having fun. And I don't even mean like I have to be like drunk or whatever to do that. But I wasn't laughing uproariously in a way that I was like participating. Right. A, a perfect example. It, it absolutely does. Michael, one of the best Michael Scott quotes ever is from an early season of The Office. He says, uh, I love in jokes. I hope to be part of one one day. You know, and this movie, this movie is a great example of this is the next morning or the early morning when uh, Olivia Munn and Jason Bateman go back because she's had her breakthrough for her nonsense idea or the company's nonsense <laughs> idea about the, the Wi-Fi. The entire Internet. It was Just the entire broken. Internet she was going to fix. She, yeah. She's going to fix it with Wayfair. The which entire is, Internet. Is, uh, <laughs> on the wall is the search history is spray painted over the two passed out guys, the two uh, the two guys who were hacking into people's accounts. They're mm-hmm. passed out. Now, we we know these guys a little bit. We know they're perverts who hack, in, you know, hack into people's email accounts and, and, uh, and Facebook accounts and stuff and, and use that information to try and woo women or whatever or prey on women as more likely. You know, but then they had these search here like search histories like the the herpes or lipsit uh herpes dating site uh what is human meat taste like uh justin <laughs> bieber penis penis enlargement cheap penis enlargement flights to thailand what, is this hangover three i i understand what what's the it's an in joke like if you know that guy maybe that's funnier that okay there you go you i think you just said exactly why i'm saying we weren't brought into the movie. There was zero character development for the majority of the people. Right. So then we weren't in it. These weren't our friends. These weren't people that we understood what was going on. And I know that sounds silly. This is supposed to just be a madcap adventure, but there's well done versions of that where you are on the adventure with the people because you got to get it, you know? And in this case, it was like, I guess, you know, if you work in a tech company, maybe this speaks to your heart in such a way that you're like, I know exactly who those guys are. And I know exactly who those accounting guys are and the legal department. And I get this so well, it's speaking to my soul. Maybe you feel in on it. So maybe this is for you. But if you don't work in something like this, um, you know, Mike works at home now. I, I work at home now. I don't feel like there's that same translation, you know, like you can't, you said, I don't know why this is funny because I don't know this character. That's it in a nutshell. Here's the thing. The other movie that Jennifer Aniston has been in that has office in the title is office space. Mike judges office yeah, space. Sure. That is a movie that definitely works, connects best with people who have worked in a cubicle based office system but 
that movie is universally funny, I think, for everyone, because we all know the people that they're portraying in those movies. They transcend whatever the TPS reports are about that they're <laughs> in, in in that movie. That's the difference of these movies. And you can have jokes set within a company that's fictional that you're not a part of, and it is smart enough that it is accessible to everyone. You understand why I'm going to need you to come ahead and going on the weekend, you know, all yeah. of that. The, the the nonsense of the of the downsizers and their double speak you know it's like something out of catch 22 those are jokes that transcend the situation and so it's funny for everyone here it de- definitely feels like man it guys they push servers out of windows that's just a thing everyone knows it like if you give them a chance they're gonna you know do jousting of uh, christmas trees on fire that's how these guys get down and I know there's people out there who are going to be like, guys, it's a comedy, man. Like, right. You're taking up. it too seriously and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Good comedy still has real characters that you actually want to be with, whether you want them to be your best friend or whether you want to, you know, laugh with them, whatever. You still have to do something with those characters and make you care about them a little bit in order to actually make it really funny to you the audience and i'm not saying i didn't laugh i i you know I'm, I'm saying i laughed but i'm also saying it was completely empty calories i love cotton candy it is delicious to me i will eat it and literally until i make myself sick eating it but at the end of the day i look back on it and be like what did i do like I, I it didn't fill me up it didn't satisfy my need i'm gonna be hungry five minutes later it's all just empty calories if you are sitting on your couch eating cotton candy that's one experience right and that's the one where you like have regret and you're like, why the hell did I do that? Mm. If you eat cotton candy at a carnival with friends and you're laughing and all this stuff, that cotton candy was totally worth it. See what I mean? Like you were in it. You were yeah. part of it. Yes. You yeah. were like with, you know, you like made a whole thing out of it. Like sitting by yourself eating cotton candy, not good. But enjoying it at the carnival and having a great time and everything – that's what we needed. And we got cotton candy on the couch. And that was not what I wanted. So so maybe the lesson here is use this movie as a blueprint to have a real rager yourself. Or put it on in the background when you're having a party and, and make a drinking game out of it. Or use it to use it to spur on your antics at your own party. I could definitely do that. Take off those tops. Take off those pants. Get out your 3D printers and go at it. Because, you know, maybe you'll make a memory for a lifetime. When that That's one girl, they, they cut back to that one poor woman who falls the sleep on the copying machine with like her pants down or her skirt like pulled up <laughs> poor woman she couldn't even make it off of the copy machine yeah i'm just saying i'd have been in the copy room laughing and laughing and laughing all right mike so do you feel like this was a christmas movie yes it's definitely a christmas movie it's talking about the the christmas the christmas party the the time when people from different walks of life who normally don't get to interact with each other are now thrown into this super awkward experience of having to socialize and have a party together and that's always awkward make bad decisions things get out of hand i think that's actually a really real condition i've lived and it's about bonuses and i mean there's a line clay says you know i broke a christmas promise which is about the worst thing you can do which is a theme we've actually heard it was funny that that was such a genuine sincere line because we've actually heard that same kind of sentiment you know you tell the truth at christmas you don't break promises at christmas kind of thing this is definitely a christmas movie I'll agree with you on the Christmas movie portion. I think that I'm going to actually go more towards you ever had that experience where you're like in the high school after school and specifically at night. Oh, my favorite time to be in the school. 
that's the vibe that having an office Christmas party brings already because in the people office. are already yeah in the office yeah. because you're already like there after dark and people are getting into stuff that they can't normally use or play with or whatever and so there's something about that that brings that vibe and then when you add the Christmas portion to it the worry about the bonuses, the the needing to land the big client before the end of the year because you have to make that fourth quarter look just so. All those things. I mean, there was a timeline here that was dependent on it being Christmas. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. I mean, even even the the anxiety and the 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 boiling pot nature where it 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 breaks down into this days of Caligula, you know, end of days like shed, you know, stuff being set on fire and all that. Obviously, it's taken to the preposterous, right? It's taken to the extreme. But the tension and anxiety that actually is in an office at that time of the year is a real thing. When you are not sure if you're getting a bonus and then you maybe end up losing your job or the anxiety of any of that being on the table, like those are real things that heighten people's behavior and and makes them, you know, a powder keg that's ready to blow. And then when you add an open bar to that, <laughs> that's when you're going to have some craziness. Open bar is the is the definition of the devil, right? It's, <laughs> it is it is just well. it's just sweet words that sounds like <laughs> such a great idea until you are deep in it, and then it's just like, my God, why did they have an open bar? Right. <laughs> just, just, you know, even the bartender says, you know, Mr. Clay, you said a two, you know, only to give you two drinks. And he just takes two bottles. He's like, yeah, good idea. Well, bartender, you've done a horrible job. All of that feels real to me. I think the, I think there's a good movie here in premise. I think this movie just didn't do a great job of executing it is the problem. And I'm also going to say as watchers, I think we did not do a great job of executing the watch. I think that we would have had to know in advance to do this, but you have to watch it with other people. You should watch it at night. You should watch it with a drink in hand and you should watch it with people who are going to like laugh and, and just want to recreate some of this antics with. I think that part, that execution of the audience is key. You have to want to interact with this and play with other people when you're watching this in my opinion one of the reasons that this movie probably did so well at the box office obviously it comes right out of christmas time is this is you are 100 right caroline this is a movie that watching in a theater with other people oh that would be so much more fun right with a drink in hand come on you go to what is it what do they always call those things like mcguffins or something those little bars in the in the movie theaters you like you know order some drinks and like enjoy yourself and and laugh with other people yeah exactly the experience of being within a movie theater you know laughing with people probably would paper over a lot of this movie's issues right the experience of it the vibe of it would probably you would probably come out of this movie like that was hysterical and i laughed so much and you would probably go to what like tgi fridays or what bennigan's stayed open super late and then you'd go and you'd laugh and laugh and be like punching each other in the arm daring each other to ask the waitress for a phone number that kind of stuff like that's what the bonkersness that this night could be but don't do this by yourself in a house by alone no. Try, you know, and, and also don't try and jump a bridge. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a not, whole other thing. It's not going to work out the way you want. Uh, TJ Miller was wrong. It's, it's not going to happen. Are you ready so. for some fast facts? Please. I thought this one was hilarious. So Carol and Clay's dad appears in a portrait hanging in Clay's office and in a Polaroid that Clay keeps on him. Their dad is Jason Bateman wearing a wig. I think that's hilarious. That is very, very funny. <laughs> 
the title of the movie was actually inspired by an SNL skit, I think, from the first or second season, which was called Office Christmas Party. The actual story that's being told here was an original idea by one of the 19 people who's credited with having a story <laughs> idea. But the name of the movie is is uh, an homage to the SNL skit. So I think that's a nice, a nice callback to uh, improvisers and sketch comedy. Uh, during the scene where Carol uses her self-defense skills against the guards in the club, Josh says that Carol is filled with nothing but, quote, salad and smart water. Jennifer Aniston is a spokesperson for smart water in real life. Way to do some product placement there. I love it. I hope she made some money off of that off that line <laughs> that Jason Bateman delivered. Uh, here, here's a feel-good moment that makes me like this movie a little bit more. At the conclusion of the filming in Atlanta, which is where they filmed, uh, all of the furniture and the props from the set were donated to the Furniture Bank of Metro Atlanta, a charity that gives away free furniture to people moving into stable housing from homelessness and domestic violence. Well, they, that's wonderful. That actually gives me a warm and fuzzy Christmas feeling. Right? I love that. All right, Mike, are you ready for some Jingle Bell ratings? But please, could you play me a clip for next week's movie? I can do both of those things. Here we go. Here's a clip from next week's movie. Kind of sounds like a prison sentence. Why do you guys put yourselves through that? It's Christmas, right? Don't you have to? We don't need to do it anymore. And, and, and we don't. We absolutely don't do it anymore. Then we're done. Why? What are you doing? We're going to Fiji. Yeah. Just the two of us. Fiji. Yeah. Don't your families get upset? Not if you tell them you're doing charity work. Yeah. You know, something like building houses in third world countries. Teaching English as a second language in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. The lousing orphans in Somalia. Helping uh, Chinese kids uh, capture lobsters, uh, broil them, gut them, clean the weird stuff out of the middle. So I mean, we, we find that the more details you give, kind of throws them off the set. You lie to your families at Christmas time. I mean, you really can't spell families without lies. Try it. <laughs> I don't know what this is. I recognize Reese Witherspoon's voice. I recognize Vince Vaughn's voice. That third voice is familiar, but I don't know who it is off the top of my head. But I don't know what movie this is. It's not something I've seen before. It is 2008's Four Christmases, starring Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon, as you correctly guessed. I believe the other voice you heard there is Brian Baumgartner. Uh, he was in The Office. We have Kevin Malone on The Office. So we're doing Four Christmases from 2008. Looking forward to it, Mike. It seems like it's going to be a funny one. And one I haven't seen. I don't know how I didn't. 2008. That should be out of my dark period. I was going to say, yeah, you're emerging from your, your, your isolation. My cocoon and, and into my age. butterfly. Yes, your, your movie-going <laughs> cocoon. Yeah, but this is uh, Four Christmases, not a movie, again, that I think you're taking the kids to see. I think it's another okay. one of those date movies, kind of like this one. Okay. So I okay. think maybe that was it. Maybe you couldn't fit the, the, the three-person stroller in the theater Car for seats. this one. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> All right, Mike, Jingle Ball Ratings, you're up, sir. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a six. Oh, damn, that's where I was going. Okay, good. Okay, I'm going to give it a six. I gave. Ba I, I went to look at Bad Santa, which is my reference for cynical, okay. dark Christmas movies that are definitely Christmas movies, but not going to leave you necessarily with the warm and fuzzies. What had we left with Bad Santa? I gave Bad Santa a 6.5. And you gave Bad Santa a six. So I'm giving this one lower than Bad Santa because I think, yes, it is a Christmas movie. I think it fails extremely hard on selling you on the heart of it. That is, especially at the end, the third act of this movie, because I think T.J. Miller just can't sell heart the way they want it to and i think it falls flat i i felt embarrassed for everyone in the end scene when they get the internet to work 
that that <laughs> kiss between Bateman and Munn so just made me silly. so awkward. And there was it, it felt like it was something that maybe happened after shooting for 18 consecutive hours. And they were like, just push your faces together and, and call it a kiss. <laughs> uh, to say nothing of the fact that everyone is cool with this uh, power imbalance uh, relationship in the workplace. Again, uh, yes. It, but even in 2016, a supervisor should not be, you know, dating and making out with and maybe having sex in the office with uh, the person he's supervising. That's not cool at any time, especially not in 2021. This movie is a Christmas movie. Obviously, we talked about those reasons. It, it is it is pr- it is hitting on the the anxiety and the tension and and the powder cake nature that uh, can happen in an office Christmas setting with an open bar at the end of the year. Definitely a Christmas movie. I think it's empty calorie humor. Not a movie to watch by yourself. Very good point from Caroline. Watch it if you're gonna watch this. Watch it either as a date or watch it with a group of people at a party as background noise. You'll probably enjoy it more. But I can't see you telling your grandchildren, "Be like, oh, watch Office Christmas Party. It'll give you the feels for Christmas time." You know, I, <laughs> I I don't see that being a thing. But I mean, if you're looking to spend two hours in a long movie, I guess this is okay. <laughs> It is, okay, it's, yeah. it's the most lukewarm Christmas movie recommendation I can give. <laughs> You're like, I guess this one is okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it okay. made me laugh. I mean, I think I think the people like Kate McKinnon and Vanessa Bayer and uh, uh, Divine and you know, I think they're giving great performances. That's why this is not like a four, you know, a four and a half or a five for me. I think those guys are, or those those women are actually selling the humor and elevating this and actually making me laugh and enjoy when they're on screen. So that's that really on their backs. This is going to a six for me. Okay. I am also giving this one a six, which surprises me that we have matching ratings. Mine has to do with the criteria in which I've laid out for everyone that they need to watch this movie because it's a very specific situation you need to set up where you are definitely serving up drinks. You have other people over, even even if it's a date night kind of thing, that's even good. I'll even take that because maybe it prompts you to tell wild stories of your past. Maybe it makes you be like, would you do that? I don't know. Would you? you do that and you kind of can joke around and play around with it by yourself is a total freaking no-go don't do it people do not do it and when you have a movie that's like that i think you already have to go down a couple notches because you know especially in covid times i mean how realistic is it that you're going to get a bunch of people together and have this big party probably not very realistic right now so the theme of being worried about your job and being worried about a christmas bonus is one of my favorite christmas movies that that theme coming up is something that's like I think that's really relatable to a lot of people. So I think in that way, they caught on to something. And then the wildness of having a huge office party. I mean, obviously, this was like, you know, to the nth degree. But still, I think people can laugh and relate to that. But I but I really think you need more people around. So hey, don't Six be sober. That is a really good don't point. Don't be sober. I, I think don't you would sober. laugh and laugh yeah. and laugh if you weren't sober and if yeah. you were punching someone in the arm saying, like, get a load of this. This is crazy. Like, I could see all of that. All good points. Take, take Caroline's <laughs> advice here. For sure. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. If you wouldn't mind heading to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. Or you know what? We're going to have to come and, you know, do our Krav Maga on you until you tap out. Because in this family, we tap out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. 
Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.